Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, good morning, Crossview Church. It's so good to be with you once again. This is the third Sunday that I've been able to be sharing with you. And today, we move along in the Advent season. We've lit the joy, lit the joy candle today, and we will look at the prophecy of Isaiah today, who hundreds of years before Christ was born, wrote these words. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this one, spoken of in Isaiah's prophecy, came and lived among us. Isaiah wrote these words as well. He said, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now those words were written hundreds of years before Christ came to earth. Some of you know the name Max Lucado. He's a favorite author and, and speaker of mine. He's a pastor down in, I believe it's in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, he shares a story in one of his books. The book is called Next Door Savior. And I wanted to uh, just share a few words from this story that Max uh, gave to us a number of years ago. He tells about a time when he was invited to the White House. This was right in the wake of the, the tragic day of September 11th, 2001. And he and about 30 other religious leaders were invited to come to the White House with then President George W. Bush uh, for a time of prayer. And he said he was surrounded by all these people whose names were very well known. He was a little surprised that he was invited, uh, wasn't quite sure how that, that came to be. But he said, you might wonder if I felt out of place at this gathering. I lead no denomination. The only time I wear a robe is when I step out of the shower and no one calls me the right most reverend Lucado. Did I feel like a minnow in a whale's world? Well, hardly. I was special among them. And when my turn came to meet George W. Bush, I had to mention why. After giving my name, I added, and Mr. President, I was raised in Andrews, Texas. You see, Andrews is only a half hour drive from Midland, his hometown. Upon learning that we are neighbors, he hitched his britches and smiled that lopsided smile and let his accent draw ever so slightly. Well, I know your town. I've walked those streets. I've even played your golf course. Max said, I stood a tad taller. It's nice to know that the most powerful man in the world has walked my streets. And then Max says, how much nicer to know the same about God. Incarnation. Now that's not a word we use every day, probably, but it simply means God becoming man, or as Max Lucado would say, God walking our streets. What an incredible thought. The creator becoming one of the creations. Now certainly there are many astounding things about Jesus and his story. How can a virgin give birth? This is biologically impossible, but it happened. And what about the miracles? Walking on water, multiplying food, lame people walking, blind people seeing. But really, a remarkable mystery is the thought that our mighty God became a man. This may, in fact, be the most staggering of all the truths that Christian people hold to. 
I'd like you to read with me John chapter 1, the Gospel of John 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is a story of God coming to earth as a man. Now, how would you have come to earth if you were the mighty God? I sure don't think I would have chosen the way that he did. He was born outside a hotel, which had no vacancies, in an obscure Jewish village. We tend to beautify the story. Some of us have nativity scenes, perhaps set up in our home right about now, and they look so nice and clean and, and beautiful. But if you really think about it, no one would offer a bed to a woman in labor. And she gave birth in a barn and put the baby in a feeding trough. It was crude. It was degrading. And this baby was the mighty God. And John helps us understand that Jesus was the mighty God in the very first words he wrote in his gospel. He is eternal. When other things had their beginning, he already was. He was with God and he was God. He is deity. He's not a creature. He is himself divine. John also said that nothing was created except through him. In other words, nothing exists that he didn't make. He, he is the creator. The Apostle Paul stated, Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever, in Romans 9 and verse 5. But let's not forget that he also became a man, 100% totally, completely man. Mary and Joseph had to change his diapers. He had to learn to walk. He played with the other kids in Nazareth, the town he grew up in. He probably hit his thumb with a hammer. He sweat. His feet got tired. He yawned. He laughed. He cried just like us. Now, I know it almost seems irreverent to talk of him this way. It's easier to keep him distant, to keep the humanity out of Christ. But we can't do that. We shouldn't do that. Here's a story of a, a grandfather who walked into the house to see his grandson who was in a playpen. And the little boy raised his hands to be picked up by his grandpa and said, up. And just as the, the man was about to pick him up, the boy's mother said, no, remember, to her son, she was saying, no, remember, you're being disciplined. You need to stay in there. Well, the grandfather in that moment felt torn. He, he knew he needed to support his daughter's parental discipline, and yet he wanted to show his love to the grandson. Well, a few minutes later, the, the daughter came back into the room and she found that grandpa had climbed into the playpen with the little boy. <laughs> and that's what God has done for us. The mighty God, Jesus Christ, became human and lived here on earth among us. He was a man. He was a target for temptation and for hurt, and for pain. He had all the vulnerability that humanity brings. That baby in the Bethlehem feeding trough was the mighty God made flesh. You might say, okay, Mark, he's 100% God, he's 100% man, so what? 
What difference does that make? And that's a fair question. Let's consider what difference it makes that Jesus is the mighty God. Well, first of all, it means that you and I can have complete confidence in him. I heard a story of something that happened in World War II where a father jumped in a foxhole and told, told, his, son, told his son to jump in. And the little boy said, I, Father, I can't see you. But the father said, no, but I can see you. You see, he is omniscient. He knows all things. He knows your needs. He knows your thoughts. He knows the circumstances you're facing. He understands all things. In fact, he knows you so well that his dealings with you are designed specifically to your nature. You can have complete confidence in him. He's omniscient. But he's also omnipresent. That means that he is everywhere. As we're worshiping him here today, uh, there are those in Jakarta, Indonesia, experiencing his presence. People in Kampala, Uganda, in Africa. People down in South America in Montevideo, Uruguay, are worshiping him as well. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? David asks in Psalm 139. Jesus said, surely I am with you always, because he is omnipresent. He's also omnipotent, which means he has all power. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 24. Think of all the galaxies that God has created. I read recently that the Hubble Space Telescope sends back infrared images of faint galaxies that are perhaps 12 billion light years away. That's 12 billion times 6 trillion miles from here. Astronomers estimate that the number of stars in the universe equals the number of grains of sand on all the beaches of the world. One of the stars is said to be five million times brighter than our sun. Amazing. Another star has a diameter of 100 million miles. That's larger than the Earth's orbit around the sun. That's just one star. You see, he is the mighty God. He's omnipotent. He's also immutable. That means he never changes. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And in James chapter 1, verse 17, we read that God does not change like shifting shadows. Because Jesus Christ is the mighty God, you and I can have complete confidence in him, even in these uncertain times in which we're living. And this leads to great joy. This is our joy week in the Advent season. The Magi, the wise men, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. What difference does it make that Jesus is the mighty God? Let's also remember that this makes him worthy of our praise. Philippians 2 verses 9 through 11 say, says, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the book of Revelation, we read these words in chapter five, verse 12, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. You see, when you truly understand who he is, praise is the logical response. 
And when I'm overwhelmed by the beauty of creation and I remember that nothing exists that he didn't make, I offer him praise out of the joy of knowing that he is the mighty God. So that's the difference it makes that he is the mighty God, but what difference does it make that the mighty God became completely man? Well, let's first of all see that it shows the value of human life. God considers human life sacred and of great worth, and so should we. God cared enough about human life to become flesh himself. When God came to earth, he didn't come as a whale or old growth timber or a spotted owl. No, he came as a man, as a human. And human life is so precious to God. In Matthew 10, verses 29 through 31, we read, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. In Psalm 139, we read uh, how amazingly uh, intricate our, our formation was in our mother's womb that God brought us about that way. We are designed by him. We're precious to him. And then I look at the way that Jesus treated people. The Samaritan woman who was an outcast of society, Jesus had a loving conversation with. Zacchaeus was a hated tax collector. Jesus went to his home. Lepers who were cut off from the rest of the world, banished to live in separate communities, Jesus touched them. He was with them. Jesus treated people with dignity. And the dignity of human life is being threatened more and more in our world. Human life is more than just an accident. The mighty God became a human. Human life is very precious to him. My friends, let's rejoice with exceedingly great joy that God loves us. What difference does it make that the mighty God became completely man? Well, it also means that he understands us. Maybe there's times when you think, nobody really understands me. Nobody gets me. He does. He understands your temptations. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4, we read these words. This high priest of ours, that's talking of Jesus, he understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus knows what it is like to have the pressure on to lie, to cheat, to lust, to lose his temper, to criticize, to gossip, to be full of pride. He was tempted in all these areas and a whole lot more. You might say, but Mark, doesn't this take away from his holiness? No, it actually accentuates it. You see, Jesus stood up to the worst Satan could throw at him and he said no every time. And he understands your temptations because he's been there. He understands your weariness. Jesus had people pulling on him all day, every day. He knows what it's like to be bone tired. He understands your emotions when you're excited, when you're disappointed. He understands anger and loneliness 
and joy and sorrow. You see, Jesus shed real tears. He understands. What difference does it make that the mighty God became completely man? Well, it means, my friends, that he can save us. We looked at this verse before, but let's look at it again. John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That is why it is so important that he became a man. It was the only remedy for our sinful condition. He became a man, he lived a sinless life, and then he offered himself as a substitute in death for our sin. What difference does it make? Oh, all the difference in the world. All the difference for all eternity. And I want to ask you, has it made a difference in you? I said this last week, and I'll say it again today. You can't save yourself. You need a Savior. And there is no joy that compares with the joy of knowing that your sins are forgiven and you have an eternal relationship with our loving, mighty God, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you today to join me in prayer as we, we call upon the Lord. And, and I'm going to say a simple prayer that one might pray if they're receiving Christ as their Savior. It could be that you prayed a prayer like this a long time ago, but you really haven't been walking in relationship with the Lord. Today would be a wonderful day for you to renew that relationship and that commitment to him. So let's pray together now. Heavenly Father, thank you for this privilege once again of sharing some thoughts from your word with your people here at Crossview Church. Lord, I know that as people are, are watching and listening in on this uh, video message today, that people are coming from a lot of different places in their spiritual life. Some are walking close to you, and maybe there's some among us, Lord, that have not really committed themselves to being your followers. And I pray that today would be a day that they would take that step of putting their faith in you to be their Savior and Lord. And for others, Lord, who are maybe finding themselves having wandered away somewhat from a faith that they once embraced, I pray that this would be a day of, of return, of, of recommitting themselves to being in relationship with you again. And so, Lord, now I'm going to pray this prayer, and perhaps there'll be those that want to join along with me in this prayer and agree in their hearts that this is from them to you. Lord Jesus, I come to you today thanking you for your love for me. I thank you that in your love for me, you came to earth and became a man, and you live life in a way that means that you understand what we're going through, what I'm going through. And today, Lord Jesus, I want to acknowledge to you that, that I have sinned, that there are things in my life that I'm not proud of, ways that I have stepped away from what I know to be your will and your intention for me. And I want to ask you today to forgive me. I want to ask you, Lord, to, to help me to turn away from these things. And, and, and I, I repent of those things. I, I confess those things to you today. Lord Jesus, thank you that you lived a perfect, 
sinless life and then you laid down your life when you died on the cross, paying the price not for your own sin because you had none. You paid the price for my sin and I receive what you did today as for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross for me and thank you that you rose again and you live forever. And I put my trust in you today, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help me to live for you, whether this is my first time commitment to you or whether I'm recommitting myself today. Lord, would you help me to live for you? And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. My friends, if that was a prayer from your heart today, you can know that the Lord heard that prayer and will honor that prayer. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I want to encourage you to, to make it known to the folks here at Crossview Church that you've made a decision to follow Jesus. You can indicate that right on the, uh, the, the screen that you have in front of you. There's a, an opportunity to indicate it there. Perhaps you could uh, send a text message or give a phone call to uh, Pastor Kyle or Pastor Holly, um, Isaac, Sam, others on staff here. Uh, we just uh, are so delighted to be able to, to share the love of Jesus with you and we would be happy to, to pray with you and encourage you and maybe give you some materials that will help you grow in your faith in Jesus. Well, I wanna wish you all a Merry Christmas and say once again how grateful I am for the opportunity to have spent these last few weeks uh, sharing from God's word with you. Uh, I'm so grateful for this church and for uh, the invitation of Pastor Kyle to, to come and share with you this way. And uh, may you have a wonderful Christmas. God bless you.